Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Hey everybody, welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen. I am your host, and I'm with Jody Phillips this morning. Jody, how are you? I am doing well, yes. So we're going to be talking about meetings today. And for some of you who are like, oh, not my podcast. No, 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 no. You want to stay around for this. If you ever have to be in meetings and sometimes don't like it, either in a family context, in a work context, or in a ministry context, I think this is going to be a helpful conversation for you because we want to talk about how you can enter into meetings well, but as a follower of Christ, particularly as a follower of Christ who values friendship and prayer. So we're going to do something a little different this time. We're going to like flip the script here and Jody actually gets to be the host this episode. Yes, I do. So I'm really excited about it. And some of you may have heard me. I was on the podcast about a month ago um, talking about youth ministry, but this will be my first time interviewing Jim. So buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Well, let's see if you can get me out of my shell. I know. <laughs> That'll Good be luck. An, that's the adventure we're all in for. I would assume most of our listeners have have heard quite a bit about you, but Tell us a little bit about your journey of faith and when you first encountered Christ. Okay. So I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, Barb and Paul Jansen, me, mommy, and me, poppy. So I grew up uh, St. Bernadette's Parish in Bellevue. I remember recognizing very quickly there was something unusual about my parents' faithfulness. I probably recognized that in, in junior high most clearly, and I wasn't super excited about that in junior high. I deeply received the faith from them and from our parish community. But I also remember I was very drawn to the world. So I, I, I distinctly remember conversations. God, God bless my, my patient parents. You know, long conversations that would kind of end with me saying, well, can't we just like set our morals aside a little bit so I can have some friends and then we can pick them back up again? You know, because I wanted to do something that was, you know, not, not okay uh, in the family household. And... I probably struggled riding the fence where, where my, um, my heart and my loyalty was through junior high, high school. If I'm honest, I probably gave up the struggle and just kind of abandoned uh, the Lord and the faith for good periods. But I had a very profound moment of conversion my junior year of college down at Benedictine College. I had two friends that were killed in a car accident, and it rocked my world. I had had people close to me uh, die before, but never people that I was that close to. I mean, I remember calling up their voicemail just to kind of hear their voice again. Uh, I remember, although I wasn't necessarily a praying person, I remember my fingers being numb trying to pray the rosary moments after I found out. It was ultimately a profound blessing for me because it it really was a spark for my conversion. For another time, my wife was actually dating the young man that was killed. I was interested in dating the young woman that was killed. And it ended up eventually kind of bringing us together. But what the Lord had to do is I just had a very profound moment with the Eucharist where I, in a kind of in that vulnerable, honest grief, I heard the Lord speaking to me. I wish I could say, and I said, yes, Lord, your servant is it. I was like, oh, crap. And I just, you know, I kind of ran the other way until a few months later, my friend who was starting a small group Bible study for the first time, God bless Chuck Hill, one of the first student Bible study leaders for Focus, 
he uh, invited me into his Bible study. And it was in that context, that small group studying the word of God, that things really began to change for me. And man, lot, you know, lots of journeys along the way, but that was, that's kind of the seminal moment that I go back to. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of ones along the journey now, but that's one that I come back to with a lot of gratitude. Yeah. Praise God. So you had this beautiful encounter and then you were walked with, well, Maybe beautiful is maybe not the word. Uh, kind of a painful encounter with well, Christ I mean, yeah, in some it was, ways. It was my response was not beautiful, but I mean, Jesus did all his all of his his role to make it beautiful. Yeah, and then you were walked with with some of your peers, and yes. then that has some some years later it led you to this point. Can you tell us a little bit about your day job? Do yeah, you so, day jobs, maybe. Yeah, day jobs. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, I am the director of pastoral services here at the Archdiocese of Omaha. Uh, that means I get to convene all of the, the teams, the offices here at the Archdiocese that serve our parishes and our schools uh, most directly. So that would be pastoral planning, the school's office, the evangelization and family life office, the parish support team, stewardship and development. And I think I said them all, right? We get them, kind of convene all of those those groups. I am also the director of the parish support team and the evangelization and family life office. But those who work closely with me know that Jody, the associate director of the evangelization family life office, and Jen Mosier, the associate director of the parish support team, are where the, the good stuff really happens. So, so I'm really blessed to work with a lot of wonderful people and a very cool opportunity to really come alongside our parish and school leaders, the people who are kind of on the ground and be encouragement and a support to them in living out the archbishop's vision and priorities, one church encountering Jesus, equipping disciples and living mercy, trying to help bring that to life and, and concretely helping parishes rediscover their missionary identity, right? Becoming missional communities. So about a year into that role, I love it. And as it would happen, meetings are a thing in this job. Yeah. It sounds like you have a role that it's putting you around a lot of people and you're having to have a lot of conversations. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a joke <laughs> that like the staff used to like, you know, if we would start a meeting, they'd kind of like have an internal timer, like how long will it take till Jim jumps up and starts to write on the whiteboard? Be because... I can have meetings without whiteboards, but they're, you know, they're better with whiteboards. And Did you say that was an old joke? Yeah. So it's, <laughs> apparently still going. It's a current joke. Yeah. Still, still, yeah <laughs> running, running timer. So. Yeah. So for, I would assume many of our listeners, some, some are involved in some form of ministry, some are not. They're, they're doing a lot of different things. For a lot of us, meetings sometimes feel like they, they can get in the way of the work of ministry or they get in the way of the things that oh, we yeah. need to do. They, they sabotage our productivity and getting what the real work is done. Why is that? Why does that seem like meetings tend to get in the way of what we want to do? Well, I'm a big fan of the work Patrick Lanzoni has, has done on this. Um, so we'll cite a couple of books that he wrote at the end. But I mean, ultimately, the reason meetings stink is the same reason that movies stink. If there's no plot and no drama and nothing compelling that has to be resolved, who cares? Just to be clear, if our meetings are going to be compelling, we actually have to be doing something. At a practical level, I really appreciate Patrick Lencioni talks about this, you know, this kind of common mistake we all fall into is that we, we end up in meeting stew, mm -hmm. that the conversations, the purpose of the meeting is muddy, and there's all sorts of things that are happening. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example. It's like, okay, there's a couple of updates and then there's some personal sharing about what's going on in people's lives. And then there's some really, you know, 
very practical decisions about like, okay, who's going to reach out to this person and what's our next step? And then there's like these theoretical questions like, what does it mean to be pro-life anyway? And man, all of those things deciding, you know, who's going to order the napkins and which vendor will we go with? And what does it mean to be pro-life? And how was your weekend? None of those things are bad, but they don't all belong in the same meeting. Mm -hmm. And part of what makes meetings really painful is when some people are trying to get stuff done. Let's make some decisions. And other people are trying to ponder big questions. I tend to be, I, I really like the pondering the big questions thing. I like thinking through strategy, but there's a time and a place for that. And there's a time and a place for like, okay, who's going to do what by when and let's get rolling. Mm -hmm. Are there any other pitfalls that you would see people run into or any other mistakes that people run into with meetings? Well, I mean, there's like legion, but I would say maybe more focusing on the solution. There's three things okay. that I think are a foundation of good meetings. One is trust among like the members. So I'll give it like an extreme example. If your meeting begins with, you know, and you have a right to an attorney and you have a right to just like, oh, like that's kind of a low trust situation. And, uh, you know, sometimes people don't share anything more than, than they absolutely have to in this context. The ideal is to have a situation where the members of the meeting trust one another, mm -hmm. where they walk into a meeting, number two, with a clear purpose. We know why we're here. Uh, in general, if it's a standing group, we know why we're here. And we know why we're having this meeting. Like, we know the problem we're trying to solve. And then finally, it's helpful to have a set of common disciplines. Like, this is how we're going to progress in solving this problem. And to that, I think I appreciate the way, again, Patrick Lencioni kind of lays out. He lays out four different types of meetings that tend to be a big help in eliminating that meeting stew. So I'll just kind of quickly list them off. And then what I want to do is maybe talk a little bit about them and talk about how we can show up as a Christian or mm -hmm. as a person of prayer in those. Yes, please. So, okay. So the first one he talks about, right, the daily stand-up or the check-in. This is literally like you're, you're not allowed to sit down. Nobody opens a laptop. There is no agenda. It is quite literally when it goes well, a five to 10 minute meeting at most for those of us who tend to be a little bit more chatty. And it is literally every team member is like, okay, what are you working on today? And this is something, uh, th those of you who remember General Norman Schwarzkopf, Storm and Norman from, he was the commanding general for Desert Storm. This was something that he would do with his staff because everybody's got clear responsibility. Everybody's got clear goals and actions and line of command. It's military. And they would begin each day with a quick check-in. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And that would often then lead to a conversation. Gosh, actually, I need your help with this. And, and it would create follow-up conversations. But mm -hmm. that what that does is it does two things. One, it helps to proactively eliminate gaps in information where someone either doesn't have what they need to move forward. And it also, at a kind of a social level, it keeps people connected. So when it comes time for a sit down meeting where we're going to work through a problem, you don't feel like you're walking into a room full of strangers again. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes that's a, that's a reality where our lives are so busy and we're working. And even if you have a weekly meeting, but certainly if there's a longer gap in between, you sit down and you're like, wait, I haven't talked to you. And sometimes it's psychologically hard to move into a fast, productive meeting space if you felt like you haven't relationally connected. And what this does is it provides very practical information, like live 
today, I'm going to need this information or I have some insight to offer you. And then it also provides for the extroverts. It provides that relational connection so that the next type of meeting, the weekly tactical can be most productive. Yeah. And I think it gives a real sense of, of what people are doing in their day-to-day t- as well, because that, and it, you mentioned that first foundation yes. of trust, right? If I'm not actually in the know of what my team members are doing on the day-to-day, I might think, what are they doing anyway? Oh, I know what my team members are doing. So then I have an ability to have a conversation with them and see where things coincide or, yeah, it it just helps build that level of trust too, just even in their capacity and their efforts. Yeah, because you know what you're doing and you're like, oh, I'm working really hard. But, you know, sometimes we we can like kind of look sideways at a team member like, what are they doing? You know, Mm -hmm. and and so it's, it's really helpful if you're the leader, it helps you anticipate if those who you work with are stuck someplace mm-hmm. and it helps you recognize you're like, mm, that's actually not our priority. And this person yep. seems to be spending a lot of, a lot of time there um, for families. This often happens in the morning, right? This is like the breakfast table coffee thing. If it doesn't happen there, it happens on the drive in where my, you know, Kim and I will be like, all right, so this afternoon I've got this meeting, pray for this and I'm working on this. And it's like, okay. And can you go and you pick up? We're just checking in with each other quick making plans and adjustments. And it keeps the machine called the Jansen household running. It's an essential thing for us. Yep. And I, you know, I have my 19 year old nephew lives with me and this is the conversation we have in the evening on, on the couch, right? Very quick. Like, what do you got going on tomorrow? You have to work. What's your work schedule? How do we organize all of that? Kind of similar, just natural habit of discipline to stay connected, right? None of this is rocket science. A lot of us do this intuitively, but but sometimes when something isn't working, when, when you, for example, come to a weekly tactical meeting, and I'll explain what I mean by that, but it's just a regular meeting, and everybody just like, you can't get started because everybody's so chit-chatty and what's going on. The solution might be, crazy as it sounds, adding a daily check-in yep. so that people feel relationally connected. So when they come to the tactical meeting, there isn't this nagging, lagging need for social connection. So let me talk about the the weekly yes, tactical. Please. This is like the typical, you know, team uh, meeting. It doesn't show up as often in a family context, although if it does, it's probably like a, you know, a Saturday night or, you know, Sunday getting ready for the week type of thing where you're looking at the calendar and stuff. Uh, tactical, it's kind of like a military thing. Tactical is just like day to day, how are we going to accomplish our objectives? So a weekly tactical meeting, and I'll, we'll kind of like break this down as to like some key elements to this, but this is where we're looking at, okay, we've got this agreed upon goal. We all know we're shooting for this and you're kind of checking in like, how are we doing on that this week? What needs to happen this week in order to make progress? That is different than what uh, Lencioni calls a strategic meeting, which is a conversation around how do we get there, right? So some, some of our listeners are familiar with uh, Stephen Covey, who was business guru, great writer, author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that tactics are more about like, how do we chop the, the weeds as we're slogging through this forest? Strategy is what forest? This is a much higher level, uh, a strategic meeting, and Sometimes it's helpful to put placeholders in the calendar because what happens often in a tactical meeting is you'll be chugging along, trying to accomplish a goal. And what will be clear is, wait a minute, do we know this is really working? Is this the right way to approach this problem? And 
that's a really important question. It can be a frustrating thing if you're, if everybody's trying to like, Hey, we're just trying to make a decision here, you know, about which caterer we use. And you're asking the question whether we should host this dinner at all. That can be really, really frustrating. And so it's helpful to have a space that's dedicated where we can ask the questions like, should we do this activity at all? And that's what a strategic meeting is. It's a space where people often prepare ahead of time. Maybe there's a little research, reading, preparation, thought that guides that. And it's an opportunity, usually a longer meeting, one topic only, where a tactical meeting tends to be five, six, even 10 different topics that are quickly addressed. Strategic meeting is one to two topics, just asking the question, should we even do this? to reach our ultimate objectives. Does everyone need to be in a strategic meeting? No, it, it varies. So let's say if you if you have a significant team with various members playing different roles, you don't have to have everybody present in a strategic meeting. Now, oftentimes there's going to be ideas or results or insights that have to be added to that conversation or people that have to be brought up to speed afterwards, but everybody doesn't have to be in that meeting. An example from family life you know, as we're like figuring out like, okay, what is our, you know, what's our summer vacation strategy here? We've got multiple people working. We've got multiple schedules here. When we ask the question, okay, what does our family need? We don't have the toddlers in that conversation. Joanna doesn't. She does not. She doesn't play a role in that. Although she would happily contribute. (laughs) No, like there's just a couple. And maybe we invite like the teens. And we have that question. We bring them in. And we're trying to think of everybody's perspective as best we can. Uh, But that can be a small subset. Because again, oftentimes in a larger team where people have multiple functions and roles, there's really only two, maybe three people that need to address that topic and then bring their insights back to the group. So what else? Is there, are there any other types of meetings that, that a team should keep in mind? Well, there's one more, and that's what's called a quarterly offsite. It's basically, it's like, the, okay, we're just going to get out of the normal places and spaces. It's often helpful to, to get someplace where it's just like you're free from distraction and noise. Beautiful if if possible, although not so beautiful that, it, that it's distracting. But to get someplace where you can really have time to pray together, to think deeply and to develop and enrich relationships. So this is a time where, again, like a parish team would have long meals together and just tell stories and laugh and talk, uh, share a bit of life. Uh, They'd be able to wrestle with some of the big questions and maybe think through, okay, what are our goals for this year or this semester? In family life, this is, this is Kim and I will like take a weekend away and we'll take just date fun weekends away. This is a different sort of like, it's actually like it's a planning weekend away where we will go away usually in like very early May as we're starting to anticipate the summer and say, okay, what are our goals for the summer? And, you know, it's preparing JP to go off to college. You know, it's teaching someone else how to drive. We we set our priorities and our goals and it gives us the freedom to like, again, in family life and in ministry and in work life, there's so much coming at us. When we take that time away, to reflect and set our goals, it gives us kind of peace through the storm and the chaos that is most of our regular lives. Yeah, I I would say that this has been, in my experience, one of the most important meetings that I've experienced in team life because there's constantly fires, whether it's personal or ministry or anything. And if you have spent a day or two days really discerning the voice of the Lord, 
you hearken back to it, right? It's just the same as in, in yes. a, a period of desolation in your interior life. You go back to the moments of consolation. Yeah, it, it's what actually, did you hear? It's the equivalent of, you know, if we have daily moments of prayer, mm-hmm. if we have kind of like a, a weekly day of worship, this is like the annual retreat, right? Where you're just pulling aside. And often, I mean, I can't tell you like how many epiphany moments, like just like, oh, and connection and insight. And I found this teammate so annoying, but now I'm recognizing they've actually been harping on something that actually is the same thing. Are you talking about me? Yeah. No, well, maybe. No. <laughs> uh, actually, I mean, this is why the, the trust is so important. You can't have the type of conversation that you need to have on like, okay, how do we make the best decision moving forward? People don't share their insights if they don't feel safe. And then I feel safe if there isn't some sort of foundation of trust. The offsites or the kind of right, those like retreats of sorts, uh, sometimes they call them retreats, like in the corporate world, they call it like, you know, a working retreat or whatever. Those retreats, those offsites, those time away, they're often where you you realize, boy, the thing that is bugging me is exactly what my teammate or my spouse has been harping on. And I just didn't realize that we were actually solving the same problem from just opposite perspectives. So really often, like the strain in a relationship that just naturally happens, especially now with the pace we all tend to move, where you don't sometimes don't have the time to sort through like, okay, tell me, why do you think that again? How does that fit? But how do you reconcile this? It's a space where we can actually ask those questions. So back up a little bit to the weekly tactical, because that's going to be the most, other than the the, right. the perhaps daily check-in, but that weekly tactical meeting or that weekly Sunday dinner or what, whatever it is, that whether it's your family life or your business or your parish, this is the most frequent touch point you have. How do we make the best use of that time? What kind of practices do you have to suggest there? Let's just kind of walk through this. And again, what I want to try and do is give a lens for this, for what it's like to do this as a person of prayer. One of the, the techniques that's often recommended is to start the meeting with something called a lightning round. And that's where like each teammate is basically given a minute or two to kind of collect their thoughts. And then they get kind of 30 seconds for like, here's the top three things I'm working on this week. It's not everything I'm doing this week in rapid fire. These are my top three priorities that I'm working on this week. Similar to the daily check-in that tends to expose potential areas of intersection where teammates can help one another and remove obstacles. um, It often ends up creating an agenda item where someone's like, and I'm working on this. And frankly, I'm just stuck here. It's like, all right, well, let's talk about that. So lightning round is just a very quick way for people to kind of like address, okay, these are the top three things that I'm working on this this week. And it maybe takes, depending on how long people reflect and how much they share, it might take five minutes for a very large team. Mm-hmm. But typically it's like a you know three minute thing. I would suggest actually maybe even packing up. Prior to that, I really think, especially in a ministry context and in a family context, but I would suggest some real substantial time in prayer. What I mean by that is like what the the church would call contemplative prayer. That could be with scripture or that could be intercession or kind of like praise. And when I mean substantial is I mean substantial in its like depth you know, it's not like the quick obligatory Hail Mary. And in time, depending on what type of meeting, for a weekly meeting, you know, if it's if it's a meeting for that goes for about an hour, you might want to spend 10 minutes in real prayer, just reading through the gospel once or twice, some silence, 
give people a moment to share what's striking them and then move on. If it's an offsite, you know, and you have a longer time, you might spend a half hour or more in prayer. Again, sometimes it's just like Lexio Divina with scripture. Sometimes it's intercession, praying for a common need ahead of the meeting. Sometimes it's praise, uh, just especially helpful if you're coming into a meeting where you can tell people are just kind of tired and they're feeling heavy and burdened. There is something special about praise that tends to lift the cloud of desolation and heaviness. I would just say for those, I know many pastoral councils now, uh, staff meetings in parishes, you know, youth ministry, religious ed teams are accustomed now to beginning with Lexio. It's such a beautiful practice. I would just encourage just one little like kind of pro tip. Sometimes it's actually really helpful to spend a week or a month on the same verse. This is the same little section of scripture. You probably want anywhere from, you know, two to, to 10 verses, no more than that. And to just continue to come back to that and watch the way the word of God forms the team and, and captures people's imagination. So if you have not tried that as part of a team or a group or a family, I highly, highly recommend that. Yeah, Jim, can you talk just for a moment, why put aside a substantial amount of time for prayer when I'm already praying on my own time? Yeah. Why does um, this matter for the team? Well, for two reasons. One, when you invite the Lord into the meeting, he comes. When you let him talk first, he says stuff. I, I can't promise that you're always going to see the connections like, wow, we are praying about this. And Jesus said, go with the second caterer. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I can't promise that. But what I can promise is sometimes, I mean, we're, we're human persons. And so we bring in what has happened the hours before, the day before, the week before. And sometimes we're bringing in burdens and letting the Lord lighten those, expose those. Another really key thing that you do right at the beginning of the meeting is rather than just have the leader set the agenda. So like, all right, everybody, we're talking about this, this, and this, and this. And, and there's a place for that. But I'm talking about for teams that are functioning regularly, uh, be different if it's like a board of directors. To set the agenda live is actually an act of discernment that we're going to say, again, not apart from the notes that we have prepared, I need to bring this conversation to the team. It's not like we're, we're turning off our natural preparation and our note system but we're bringing in our insights and, and we're asking the Lord to say, like, Jesus, what do you want us to talk about? How should we move forward in, in this meeting? And that's a great way to set the agenda of the meeting, to enter into that space, to like set it, you know, to have some degree of recollection and awareness as you set a live agenda. It's just helpful to have some prayer ahead of time. Yeah, I would agree. So your prayer helps to set you up then for the discussion of the tactical meeting. So talk to me a little bit about that. How does discussion work in a tactical meeting? I think it's helpful, again, as you're setting the agenda. I like to just draw, if I've got a whiteboard, which I love, uh, <laughs> to draw like just two lines. Actually, I'll do three. We have the discuss box and the update box. Now, the update box is basically, it's like less than 60 seconds. It's just quick update items. And then there's the, okay, we need to discuss this. So I think it's helpful to distinguish that at the beginning because it helps people recognize like, oh yeah, we're actually trying to, the whole team can participate. When something gets put in the update, we're like, oh yeah, this is supposed to be 60 seconds. They're going to say something. I'm going to say, that's cool. I might ask a quick follow-up question and then we're moving on. We're not trying to discuss this. So that can just be a helpful distinction. So, so people know how to participate in the meeting. Usually you generate a list of like anywhere from three to seven items that we want to try and discuss. You may put 10 up there. You're not going to be able to, to get to 10 
in a meaningful way, usually. And so it's very important to prioritize. All right, let's talk about this first and this first and this and this. And then can we take care of the others outside this meeting or some other time? Because some people think success in the meeting is checking everything off. And I would say, again, I've been using this caterer example. Success is not just deciding which caterer. It's actually choosing the right caterer. And so if you need to have a longer discussion about budget versus quality of food versus, yeah, but this guy's family and like have that discussion and making a fast decision and getting through all of the agenda items when it turns out the decision we quickly made was not the right one. Well, that's not a win. So you want to make sure that everybody knows, yeah, we had a number of things that we wanted to discuss, but we're only going to discuss these four things in this order. That helps people be present appropriately to the meeting as it unfolds. You just kind of triggered a thought in me like there's you're, you've got something on the agenda and you're very gifted at this, Jim, at, at guiding a conversation down what may have felt like a rabbit trail to someone else. And then it feels like it's... The, like the right conversation we didn't know we needed to have. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, how do you notice yeah. that? Part of it is it's helpful. Again, there's another best practice here is to keep goals in front of you. I'm sure all of our listeners can relate to setting a goal as part of a group or as a team, you know, like you set some sort of annual goal and then you never look at it again until the next year. It's like, oh, it's, it's goal setting time. Um, it's really, really helpful to read the goal at the beginning of the meeting. I mean, aspirational goals, like this is our mission. This is why we're here. And the very practical, and this is what is most important right now. For the next three months, we realized we have to figure out a cadence for how we're reaching out to new people. Starting the meeting with that goal helps to give purpose to the meeting. If I find myself in a meeting, or if it's been a meeting that's been scheduled for a while, and now I'm sitting down with the person, I try to say, okay, so what's our goal? What's the purpose of this meeting? What problem are we trying to solve? What are we supposed to discuss today? What do we hope is going to happen? Just, it's actually really helpful to know, wait, why are we here? What is this meeting about? What's our purpose? Because sometimes, just out of kindness, uh, misdirected kindness, people invite you to meetings that you don't actually need to be at. Yeah, it's never you're, happened you're like, to me. Never happened, yeah. <laughs> never happened in a meeting with Jim. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, there are ways, I mean, there's there's like all sorts of great, like, you know, corporate skits and things that you can find on YouTube where, you know, people are like in meetings and, you know, after like two hours, it's like, great. So we could have handled this with an email. Mm -hmm. That's great. So <laughs> it's actually a kind thing and a great personal discipline that when you're invited at a meeting or you're at a meeting that is beginning to say, okay, what's the purpose of this meeting? What, what are we trying to accomplish here? Yeah. And I think much more often, if we're not reviewing our goals prior to setting our agenda and getting our list of priorities in order, will we run into is the very first pitfall you mentioned, right? Yeah. Is meeting stew. We have a list of things and we never get to the right conversations. We have a yeah. lot of things we have to do. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if you notice this, but uh, people are different than each other. So some people <laughs> love to talk about the big picture questions. And some people are like, just leave me alone so I can get crap done. And it helps the, the people who are naturally drawn to the big picture those people can discipline themselves to stay on task when the meeting is about tasks. And the people who are used to getting tasks done can set that aside for a moment and think and offer insight when it's the right context and everybody knows this is what we're trying to accomplish in this meeting. We're really thinking together versus we're like making some quick decisions here and trying to move forward. So again, setting some, some clear expectations 
uh, being clear about the purpose of the group. Like, why are we a thing? Why are we a group? And then being being clear about you know, the disciplines, like these these kind of these cadences or these little practices, these little meeting tools, that makes a big difference in helping people participate. Because half the time, people are violating unknown expectations. And that's part of what makes it makes them annoying. Like they don't even know they're being annoying because they're violating expectations that they're not aware of. So so we have the right conversations that matter. We're talking about all of the right things. And then and then what? How like are there any other practices well, we need to keep in well, mind? Well, yeah. So this is this is like where a lot of meetings like they're like, oh, great meeting. And you can tell everybody's like, we we talked about the right things and we made good decisions. And then we move forward. We come back a week or two weeks later. Wait, did we do did you do well, did, well, did I do that? No, I thought, and like, and nobody remembers. What I recommend is a box. Again, if you get your whiteboard, you get a piece of paper, that's just an action list. And as the conversation unfolds, you'll notice, especially if you have someone who's assigned to this role, to like, wait, I think we just developed an action there. I think we just said Jody was going to reach out and call the caterer to find out if they can do gluten-free. And that could be something in the moment of the conversation that Jody misses, or it could be something that everyone else misses. It's a very helpful mantra at the at the beginning of each meeting. Okay, what did we what did we decide? So I'm going to review the action list. What we decided at the end of last meeting, so we actually make progress. And then at the end of the meeting, right before it closes, give yourself like five minutes to review the action list. Who does what by when, and how are we going to check in? So I'll say that again, like who, like, okay, Jody does what? She's going to call the caterer to see if they have gluten-free by when, by tomorrow. And, and we're going to check in next meeting or now Jody's going to, Jody's going to send everybody a, uh, an email update as soon as, as soon as we know. That alone often helps make meetings so much more productive because when you get in thinking mode, sometimes it's easy to forget to turn it into action. And the action list review at the beginning of your meeting uh, from what you decided last time, and then at the end of the meeting to make sure everybody has their marching orders helps a ton. What else? Is there anything else we need to keep in mind? I guess for me, what I notice we often run into is we've got these goals. We have a big goal, right, in the archdiocese, but there's a lot of other work, in particular in our parishes. You can have your top three priorities or your top four priorities, but people are still dying and being buried. There's still yeah. baptisms to perform. Yeah, and it's There's not good to put that off. Yeah, yeah. These the, things the burying thing. Apparently, right? Yeah, like there are works of mercy that are still necessary. Yeah. So how does this all fit into this model of meeting and not get in the way? This shows up a lot in our family uh, meetings with, yeah. you know, Kim and I. So we'll, we'll have a, let's say our, our kind of quarterly date. We'll, we'll go get coffee. If we get the luxury, thank you, grandparents, where we can actually have an overnight. We'll, you know, we'll plan and we'll say, okay, what, what's the big things we need to work on? And so we'll, we'll get two or three priorities for a three month period. And we're like, okay, we're really going to concentrate on this. It gives us permission to say no. It's almost like a, it's like a priority budget, permission to spend ourselves here and permission to stop spending ourselves other places. So we don't need to feel guilty about things we're not doing or helping with. But to your point, there are some things that just have to keep running, right? I mean, house maintenance, you know, education, you know, for the kids. And so in family life, we kind of have like, these are kind of like just like our standard operations. We always have budget, house maintenance, kids school, like those things are just always things that we need to kind of stay on top of. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are things that sometimes it's helpful just to have that list available for a team 
So in a, in a ministry setting, it might be budget. It might be kind of like attendance numbers. Uh, it might be, you know, volunteer tracking. There, it varies depending on what kind of ministry or what kind of business you're in. But those are the things like if, it, you know, if a business decides our most important thing is getting new customers, they still have to attend to revenue coming in from existing customers. So that may be one of their standard operations. So there's always going to like every now and then they're going to take a look at the budget and make sure that it's on track. It's not the most important thing, but they can't take their eye off it so long that it actually becomes a problem. You mentioned at the beginning, you wanted to talk a little bit about how meetings are a place for prayer and for friendship. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how that plays into the meetings and any stories of how this has has shown itself in meetings? Well, I mean, I'll I'll maybe be a little controversial here. I think most people have an artificial division between their family life and their work life or their personal and professional lives. And I actually don't think that's healthy. Now, to be clear, I am not in any way advocating, you know, that that professional team meetings become a counseling session or, you know, or that people overshare or even on the other end, right, that you like you bring work home with you in an inappropriate way. Uh, but I was really challenged by a podcast uh, from the table group where they talked about like, why would you not share at least a little bit with your family what you spend eight hours a day doing? And that's been, you know, like, for many people, it's like, but my work is boring. They don't care. It's like, yeah, but with a little bit of reflection, People knowing what, in my case, dad does, knowing what my kids do, sharing with my wife, like, oh man, it's like, it was so hard. And I was brokenhearted because we had worked so hard and then it all fell apart at the last minute. Sharing like your life, joys, disappointments, even the ordinary things with your family, bringing work into your family, the characters, the story, you know, maybe it means like a, a dinner with coworkers, but just sharing stories every day, that really matters. And the opposite too, because the problem is, I think it's actually, this is why, I guess what, the heart of like, it's it's when we artificially separate them and pretend we don't notice that our coworker keeps choking back tears in the context of the meeting because they're really worried about, you know, their, their sick parent. I don't know how many times, and again, I'm blessed to work in a ministry context where we said, hey, time out, let's just stop here. We need it back to the caterer yeah, we need to figure out which caterer is going to be the best for us to work with. But Jody, can we just pray for you for a little bit? And we've done, we've done that. I mean, mm -hmm. so many times where we've just stopped meetings and prayed for a personal need and challenge that was kept kind of creeping in. And then even more obvious, I don't know how many times I've been in a meeting where we've been circling around and around and around and we're clearly spinning our wheels. We cannot figure out how to move forward on this. Again, for those who are familiar with Ignatian spirituality, as the Lord trains your ears and your heart to be attentive to desolation, sometimes you're like, wait a minute, we're all stuck here. This is like clearly a desolating, hopeless moment. And then just stop and say, we're, we're going to not try and do this on our own. We're not going to fake it. And we're just going to say, Lord, have mercy. And we're just going to pray for a little bit, even if it's like literally three minutes we're just going to pray for this coworker. We're going to pray about this issue that we're stuck. It makes all the difference. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, some of you, you know, listeners are, you're blessed to have a temperament that like you are a getter done. You never miss a to-do. Please bring that as a gift 
into the meeting. Some of you are blessed that you have that really finely tuned spiritual and uh, antenna. And when it's just clear that everybody's kind of stuck and spinning their wheels, please don't be afraid to say, hey, can we just stop for a moment and just pray about this for a moment? and ask God to show us the way forward. You know, maybe you're the one where, where you're just the natural person. God bless, I'm gonna give a shout out for one of my one of my coworkers, uh, Vicki Koffold, who is the uh, superintendent of Catholic schools. Vicki is wonderful, and she is so good at asking, like, the insanely obvious question, what what are we trying to do here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like, I usually laugh. I was like, well, stop it, Vicki. We were making really good time until you asked us what we were trying to do. <laughs> I don't know where we're going. Let's think about that. She's trained her whole team to do yeah. that. It's really, it's <laughs> so, so good. So whatever your gift is, if there's one of these practices, because it's hard to keep them all afloat in a team context, but I guarantee there's one of them, I hope, that one of these stuck out to you as something that you can bring in. So just just take one, bring it into the team context, set some expectations, right? So like, hey, I think it'd be really helpful if we confirm why we're having this meeting at the start of the meeting, or if we review the things that we're committing to at the end of the meeting. That Just bring one of these into your next meeting and go ahead and put a comment. I'd love to hear the difference it makes. Even if you get some pushback, we'd love to hear the difference it makes as you bring in just one of these practices to the meetings that you're a part of. What I've experienced in having meetings this way is the difference between working in a business and working on mission with partners. It means every world of difference, right? Whether that's in the family and I'm I'm partnering in the mission of a family yeah. or partnering in the mission of the church, right? I'm not just going to a meeting, but I'm going to collaborate with coworkers in the vineyard. And that's personal and that's real and it's mission-oriented and it's an act of discernment constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so just to encourage you to, to be on mission even as you're discussing the hard things. Absolutely. Yeah, the American Legion is... Uh, you know, kind of a fading organization. Praise God, we haven't had huge drafts and and wars. The Gulf War um, and now Afghanistan is probably our, our most recent. But there's something special that happens when veterans get together. When people have been united around a common purpose and a common mission, it tends to build real friendships. Uh, and we don't need to be afraid of that. We don't need to be like, you know, again, please keep good boundaries. Nobody's advocating for for that. But to to let ourselves have real friendships that develop because of that that common mission. Like it or not, meetings are tend to be tend to be where those things take shape. So, hope these are blessings for for y'all to uh, do them better. Jim, thank you so much for letting me interview you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. You, you did such a good job of getting me out of my <laughs> shell. I really appreciate that. I could yeah, it was really hard to get him to talk. I had to like just keep poking him in the arm. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Everybody, thank you. Uh, let us know how it goes. If you find this helpful and you'd like more information, you can check out Death by Meeting by Patrick Lencioni, The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, and Three Questions for Hectic Families by Patrick Lencioni, who is not a paid advertiser for the Equipcast. But if you'd like to be Pat, just give us a call. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> God bless. God bless.